You're listening to The Promised Church's Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Jonathan. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thepromisechurch.com. I'm excited to share with you this morning. Uh, We're going to start a new series today on worship, and I'm excited to kick it off with you today. Before we do, would you just join with me in putting your attention on Jesus and, and pray together? Thank you, Lord. Lord Jesus, we, we just come to you in your word today. We say we love you. Lord, help us to see you in your word today. Change us and make us more like you. Lord Jesus, make us a people where you want to live with. Come and live here, Jesus. And Lord, I ask that you would make us a people that you can trust with more of yourself. Well, we just love you and want more of you. We ask, God, that you would move powerfully in this time. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. 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 If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 4. John chapter 4 is where we're going to start today. We realized as pastors here that we haven't done a series or teaching on worship specifically for probably a couple of years, and we realized that a lot of you are new to our church in the last couple of years, and so you come into this place, and we know many of you experience the presence of God, which is beautiful and wonderful. I know many of you come in and and encounter Him in our worship time, and you love the time that we have in worship, but we also recognize that many of you are just like hooked up to a fire hose, and you don't really know why we do what we do here. And so we want to try to bring context. We want to try to bring uh, scripture and and insight into the why behind what we do here and why we worship the way we do and why we worship, period. And so today we're going to really talk about the why a lot. And the title for this whole series is True Worshipers. True Worshipers. This is what God is wanting. In John chapter 4, Jesus is speaking to a woman at the well in Samaria, and he is saying this to her. He says, a time is coming. This is verse 23. Sorry, John 4, 23. A time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Say, that's me. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, called Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Notice in this passage, it says that God is actually looking, he is seeking, he is searching, after worshipers. God is looking for worshipers. This is who he's looking for. We are to seek after God, but God is actually seeking after us and those who would be worshipers. True worshipers is what the Father wants, that will worship in spirit and in truth. And we did a series just in the last couple months about the Holy Spirit. Again, really wanting to kind of go back to some very basic, core, fundamental teachings in Scripture. And really, the culture that we have here at the Promise Church, uh, Promise Church is not a culture 
based upon what we, our own ideas and what we think is cool and what we want to do. It's founded in Scripture, and it's founded in who God is and what he's called us to do. And so God is looking for us to worship from spirit in a sense that inner person that you really are from the inside, fully expressing worship to him from there. And then in truth and then in every aspect of your life. This is what God is after. And we have been on a, in a, on a journey for the last couple years specifically where we are saying, God, we want to be a people that you want to dwell with. We want to be a people that you want to stay with. We don't want a visitation where God comes for a moment and he leaves. We want a habitation where he comes and he dwells and he lives and he stays. So what is God looking for in that kind of a people where he can trust them with himself, where he can stay? And we've talked about several different things, but I'm just going to say them really quick again. He's looking for people who will love him first, people who will walk in first love, people who will walk in hunger, where they will never stop pursuing God and will be hungering for more of him. He's looking for people who will walk in holiness, who will walk in righteousness. He is holy and he invites us to walk in his nature and his character to be holy as well. He's looking for people who will be humble, who will be humble, who will come before the Lord and recognize they are nothing without him and they are in desperate need of him and dependent on him all the time for everything. And he is looking for people who will walk in honor, who will honor him and honor others. This is what God is looking for. We want to be a people of his presence. We want to be a people of his glory. And notice all five of those things revolve around worship. You could not Fully give God your first and your first love without worship. You cannot be hungry for more of God and not be a passionate worshiper. You cannot live in humility and come before the Lord and not want to worship him. You cannot walk in true honor and not honor the king and who he is and honor him with everything. You will not live in holiness if you are not living your life in a place of worship. All of it requires these things. And we desire his presence above all. The, the number one core value here at the Promise Church is hosting the presence of God. We say things like, we are not in, or he is not in our presence, we are in his. We are in his presence, he's not in ours. So we want to create an atmosphere that where he is comfortable, even if we are not. And we are okay with people not understanding, being weirded out, confused, and just kind of going, what is going on here? We're okay with that because we want him to be free to move however he wants. We want him to be welcome here. In fact, you can't actually welcome someone if it's his house. So he's not the honored guest. It's his house. Built on him, built by him, for him, and about him. And this is what worship is. It's about him. Worship isn't about you, what you can get out of it. It's not about a moment to check out of your time and reality and just try to disengage from the world and try to have a relaxing moment in music. It's not about people who are gifted musicians having an opportunity to exercise their gifts. It's not about a song. I'm not really worshiping a lot today, or I'm not really expressing my worship today because I don't really like this song. I didn't realize that we worshiped a song. We worship God. Yeah. 
These are, the, these are the really the whys behind a lot of what we do here, what different things that we, we say. You cannot separate the presence of God from the person of God. So when we say, God, we want to have your presence here above all else, everything comes from your presence and hosting your presence, you cannot separate his presence from his person. That means he's here. So therefore, my expression of worship should reflect that the reality that he is in the room. Not that he's distant, far off, aloof, gone. No, if he's in the room, it should require an expression. Otherwise, you have lost your awareness that he's in the room. Or maybe he's not in the room. In the Old Testament, they would know when God accepted and was pleased with their worship. You want to know how they knew? He came. He came. He came in fire. He came in cloud. He came in miracles. He came. It's the same today. The presence of God and him coming when we worship him purely with pure hearts, pure motives, as true worshipers in spirit and in truth, he will come. It's measurable. It's tangible. It can be seen and felt and evident. It's not just about the goosebumps. It's manifested in people giving their lives to Christ. It's manifested in signs, wonders, and miracles. It's manifested in joy, in peace, in love, marriages getting healed when people are in the presence of God. It's tangible. Worship... Pastor Case, you came in at the right time. You're really going to like this one. Worship is not the precursor to the main event of a sermon. I don't know how many times I've heard people, mostly guys, I don't know what it is in their male religious box in their brain. I'm just waiting for the sermon. Let's get this song and dance over with. I just want the message. You cannot separate the presence of God from the person of God. And by the way, the person of God, the person of Jesus is the word. He is the word made flesh. He is the main event. Jesus is why we're here. He's why we come. He's why we worship. He's the only one worthy. As much as I enjoy communicating to you and sharing God's word with you. This is not the main event of the service. He is. It's his presence. We as leaders, as pastors here, we would, we would give everything, and we have in, in, in a sense. We would give everything, though, for God to fully manifest himself in this room and no one to preach for our, whoever how long we're here because we're so overwhelmed by his presence we've talked about it we dream about it man i can't wait for that one day where we're in worship and the presence of god falls so powerfully that we're all hitting our faces and we're here for hours and we don't even realize it's been hours and people just keep coming to this place because of the glory of god on it no one has to say a thing he did that in the old testament by the way if he if he can do it in there in the old testament before the blood of jesus and before the cross He can do it today. There's so much that we could say about worship. I have notes upon notes. We're only doing this series for a few weeks. So you're hooked up to the fire hose. I just hope you get a lot out of it. Um, 
I got a lot of scriptures for you. Some of them I probably won't have time to get to today, but I hope you're taking notes. I hope you, you are really getting some of these main core ideas here. One first point I want to make is that worship is a lifestyle. Worship is a lifestyle. It's not about a song and dance and music. It's, it's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle that we're to live all day long, every day, in every area of our lives. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Paul says this, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Your whole life given and offered and surrendered to God. Anytime you read scripture and it says, therefore, you should give idea and context and thought to what comes before it. In Romans chapter 11, at the very end, there's this beautiful statement about the bigness, vastness, and goodness of God that goes beyond our comprehension. And it begins, and it ends with saying that for him and to him and through him and from him are all things. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Therefore, in light of this and who God is, offer your whole life as a living sacrifice to him. And some of you are in this room going, oh yeah, lifestyle. It's a whole, worship is a whole lifestyle. That's why, you know, I'm not really a big fan of the song and dance and the music and all that. Okay, well, don't worry. I got you. Yes, he, he, he doesn't just want you to clap. He doesn't just want your song. He doesn't just want your music. He doesn't just want your dance and, and your shout and your lifting of your hands. He wants every area of your life. Yeah, you're right. He wants your marriage. He wants your finances. He wants your parenting. He wants your hobbies. He wants your time. He wants everything. He wants every area. And he also really wants your worship. Because worship is love expressed. Worship is love expressed. You know when someone loves something. You know it. It's evident. It's, it's tangible. It's measurable. We all know it when that person falls in love with another person. You can see that love is expressed. They have lost their mind. And they will literally do anything for that person. Maybe you've been there one day. You remember. Well, Jesus invites you into a place of losing your mind for him. For being so passionate that you express yourself and you look crazy and you don't care and you don't care what people think because you're in love. What are you passionate about? What do others know that you are passionate about? Is it Jesus? Dads, what do your kids think that you are passionate about? Is it your fishing rod and your boat? Is it your sports and your TV remote? Is it your guns? Is it your career, your job, your money? Or do they know that you're passionate about Jesus? I don't know. I'm going after the guys today. And I am one. What is it, guys? Why is it hard for you to express love to Jesus? Because I'm telling you, you're sitting there on the couch and your guy on that screen on your favorite basketball team, your favorite football team, does the great play, hits the winning shot, gets the, the winning touchdown, has the massive defensive stop, and you're off your couch. Like, yeah, that's my boy. That's what I'm talking about. 
And at church, you're like, When is this over? And your wives are elbowing you right now. What are you passionate about? I'm so grateful. I'm so thankful that my brother and I, we grew up in a home where we knew both our parents were passionate about Jesus. It was known. It was seen. It was tangible. We saw them spending time with the Lord. We saw them worshiping passionately in church. I don't want someone else to set the example for my daughters of how worship looks like to worship God. I'm the example. They know if they wake up before 7 a.m., they know where dad is. I'm in my office at my house, worshiping, praying, reading my Bible. They know. What are you passionate about? Worship is love expressed. My question to you is, how much do you love him? Do you love him? Because it's all about loving him. It's all about loving him. This is what worship is about. If you were wondering if I have scripture to back up my opinions, I do. Psalms 95, verse 1. Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Come, let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. For the Lord is the great God, the great king above all gods. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. For he is our God and we are his people, the people of his pasture, the flock, under his care. Notice the language. Notice the expressive words. Come. You need to come to the Lord every day. You need to come before him. You, want, you need to come into his presence. You need to come to him. And you need to sing. You need to shout. You need to dance. You need to kneel. You need to lift your hands and your voice before him because this is who he is. He is the great king. Above all. In Revelation chapter 5, I don't have time to read this scripture. Revelation 5, there's this beautiful window that we get to look into of what is happening in heaven. In heaven right now. Worship is not us singing a song and having a good time in church. We have an opportunity to join in the one song that is happening right now. There is only one worship service that is happening. There's only one song that is being sung. There's only one throne. There's only one lamb who sits on that throne and is in heaven. And so you have an opportunity to join in the song of heaven and to worship the lamb who was slain. And in heaven right now, the elders, the 24 elders, all the living creatures, all the angels, all the people from every tribe, nation, and tongue are surrounding that throne and they're bowing down and they're shouting in a loud voice, worthy is the lamb. Worthy is the lamb that was slain. All glory, all honor, all blessing to him. And you have an opportunity to join in that song. And if you didn't realize from that passage, because I didn't have a chance to read it, worship in heaven is expressive. It's passionate. Why do we worship the way we do at the Promise Church? It's not because it's cool, trendy, or some contemporary Christian church thing. It's because heaven does it. And we want this church, this culture here, this atmosphere here to be like heaven. 
How does heaven invade earth? Really begins through worship. Where the presence of God comes in and is able to have his way. That's why I love our new believers group. Like every week they worship, even though half the room doesn't know God or they're brand new, they don't know church, they still worship because the presence of God changes everything. In that scripture in Revelations, there is this tremendous picture of unity. Again, people from every tribe, nation, and tongue surrounding the throne in worship. Right now in our culture, there is a massive push for unity. We must walk in unity. We must all be unified. I want to let you all know right now, you cannot have unity around unity. The only way to have unity is to worship one person. You see tremendous unity and diversity in this scripture in heaven where they worship the person of Jesus. Unity comes around the present, in the presence of God with worshiping the person of God. This is how unity comes. And when that happens, it's like it says in Psalms, where the oil is poured out on the priest and the anointing of God is com- it comes and the blessing of God is there. Why? Be- it's not just about having unity. It's about being unified around the one, around him. All right, I want to share with you three points. Though three, in a sense, whys behind worship. Why do we worship? Why? Pure and simple, the why behind worship. Number one is you were created for worship. You were literally formed and fashioned by God for worship. I'm going to approach this a very unique angle, a unique way, and some of you might be going, where is he going with this? But just bear with me. We're going to get there. In Ezekiel chapter 28, there's this passage of scripture where God speaks to the prophet Ezekiel to, in a sense, write something to the king of Tyre. But this is not the actual king of Tyre. This is to the devil. Okay? Bear with me, and you will see what I'm talking about here. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me to Ezekiel, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre, and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. This is why we know he's not talking to the king of Tyre, by the way. The king of Tyre existed 3,000 years after the garden of Eden. He wasn't there, but who was? The devil, the serpent. Okay? So this is how we know. This is not uncommon. Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. But he was talking to Peter. It's not uncommon to address the spirit coming from behind a person. Okay? All right. So you were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardis, topaz, diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. Sin. Iniquity is sin. By the abundance of your trading, in other translations it might say merchandising or different things, you became filled with violence within and you sinned. Therefore I cast you as profane, as a profane thing out of the mountain of God and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Okay, 
There's three archangels that we can identify in Scripture. Michael, who his primary focus was prayer. Gabriel, every time Gabriel's mentioned, it's talking about him as a messenger. He represents the word. He brings the word from the Lord. And then Lucifer, who was in charge and over worship. Lucifer is the, was the devil, or I, should, I don't know how to say that grammatically. He was Lucifer, now he's the devil. Okay, He was in charge of worship. He was in charge of bringing worship and leading worship unto God. He was literally created, formed, which is a pretty cool thought if you didn't realize Satan is not equal to God. He was created. He had a beginning. God has no beginning and he has no end. The devil has an end too and it ain't pretty. You don't want to be there. All right. By the way, I I really loved how it said here uh, that God says to, to Lucifer, I cast you out and I destroyed you. I don't know if you saw that, but that was pretty cool. All right. Lucifer was literally created with instruments in his being. I'm not really sure if they were on him or if they were in him, but he was created with instruments. It says timbrels, pipes, strings, like wind instruments, okay? And if you want to look at more into this, Isaiah 14 talks a lot more about how Lucifer had pride uh, that rose up in his heart that he wanted the worship that was meant for God for himself. He wanted to ascend to that throne. He wanted to have the worship. He thought, well, I'm so special. I'm so amazing. He probably was more beautiful than any of the other angels. And he thought, I need to receive this worship instead of giving it to God. That word for trading, the abundance of your trading or merchandising means basically this. Let's say I own a t-shirt shop and I'm selling t-shirts for $30 and Nathaniel works for me. And Nathaniel sells that t-shirt for $30, but he keeps $10 and, and he puts 20 in the drawer. He's merchandising. He's stealing. Satan, Lucifer, was trying to steal the worship that belonged to God. And God said, I ain't having this. You're not worthy of it. So he cast him to the earth. So now you've got to ask the question, so who's in charge of worship? What's supposed to happen with worship now? How are we, what, who, what, you know, heaven probably might have been asking angels, we don't know. What's supposed to happen with worship? So this is what God did. There was five days of creation. And then on the sixth day, he took some dirt from the ground. And he he formed a man named Adam. And he formed that man with instruments. Timbrels speak of percussion. I'm not rhythmic, and I'm going to stop right there. It wasn't that funny. Maybe it was. He formed that man with strings, pipes, wind instruments, your vocal cords. I won't sing for you. The clapping was enough. I have like zero to little musical ability. Aaron got it all in the family. But I'm an instrument. And I won't let my musical weakness stop me from worshiping my Jesus with everything I have. And you shouldn't either. You were literally created to worship him. With your body, you were created to worship him. 
to sing, to shout, to clap, to dance, to lift your hands. You're an instrument. This is why we have the music loud in here so none of y'all hear me sing. If you're wondering why, that's, that's the reason why. But you're an instrument. Will you use what the Lord has given you or not? This is why it's all about worship. It's always been about worship. Why is the first and second commandments and the ten commandments have worship no other God? Don't build any idols. Why is the first and greatest commandment that Jesus mentions, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength? Why? Because it's about worship. Because literally, you're either worshiping him or the devil. Every other religion, every other man-made idea, progressive theology, humanism, new age, whatever you want to call it, it's either worshiping God or the devil. And all those other titles that I just mentioned, they're worshiping the devil. Even worshiping yourself in some way, shape, or form, you are worshiping the devil. You weren't actually... The nature you received when you were born wasn't the Adamic nature. It was the Satanic nature. Because Satan was the one who said, I will be like God. Selfish, prideful. And when you come to Christ, you renounce that and you receive his divine nature. Who are you worshiping? Who has your worship? Number two. Why do we worship? What the Lord has done. Psalms 111 verse 1. Praise the Lord. I will extol the Lord with all my heart in the council of the upright and in the assembly. That's like church. Great are the works of the Lord. They are pondered by all who delight in them. Glorious and majestic are his deeds, and his righteousness endures forever. Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. For he, Jesus, has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves. In him we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. If you've forgotten how you've been saved, if you've forgotten how you've been rescued, if you've forgotten and become familiar with the cross, and his resurrection, then that explains why it's hard for you to be passionate in worship. But I'm telling you, if you remember, if you realize, if you've come to that full revelation of what Jesus has done for you, you cannot be contained. You cannot hold it back. You will worship him with all that you have because he is so good and he is so loving and he is so worthy of your worship because of what he's done. Come on, somebody. Have you forgotten how he saved you? Have you forgotten how he's delivered you? Have you forgotten how he's healed you? Have you forgotten how he's provided for you? Because I'm telling you, if you haven't, you will want to worship with all that you have. The degree of revelation that you have of realizing what Jesus has done for you will often be the degree of worship and love expression that you give him. Oh, well, it's not my personality. It doesn't matter. Because what he has done for you is so much bigger than your personality or your style. Again, that's why it's not just about this in church and live like hell at home. It's a lifestyle, but it is like this as well. It's about that love expression. And I'm telling you, pure worship, true worship is a heart 
not distracted, not caught up in self, not desiring to worship to get something out of it, but purely focused with attention on him to adore him, to love him, to give him the praise that he deserves because of what he has done. And along with that is not only just to praise him for what he has done, but because of what he's done, you praise him for who he is. Because everything he has done comes from who he is. And so you worship him for who he is. So that's point number three, by the way. We worship because of who he is. And again, to the degree that you see Jesus and know him and see him in the scripture will be the degree that you want to express your worship to him all the time. And that worship expression will go beyond the church service. It will invade your home. It will invade your marriage. It will invade with your children. It will invade when you're in your workplace. It will invade when you're in the grocery store and you're overwhelmed with love for the Lord and you want to tell other people about what he has done and who he is. All of these points I'm making could be summarized in one story. I'm going to just talk about this very quickly. In John chapter 12 and in Mark 14, there's this woman named Mary. And Jesus is about to go to the cross. And Jesus actually uses what she did to point us to this place of what true worship really looks like. Because she recognized who he is that he was the Messiah, he was the Christ, and he was on his way to his death. Jesus said, she anointed me for my burial. She took an alabaster jar full of precious, costly perfume that was worth a year's wages, and she broke it over him and poured it out over him and anointed him with it and cried and anointed his feet with her tears and and wiped his feet with her hair. And, And she expressed herself passionately, undignified, not caring what other people were thinking in the room, not caring that she broke cultural protocol, not caring about it all. Why? Because she lived a lifestyle of surrender and gave everything to the Lord in that moment and was willing to express her love fully and completely to him because of who he is and what he's done. Just a few days before that moment, he raised, Jesus raised her her, her brother Lazarus from the dead. Because of what he has done, because of what he, of who he is, she poured everything out before the Lord. This is true worship. And we must see him for who he is. We must see him for how scripture reveals him. We must worship him for all that he has done and all that he is and, and give him everything, surrender everything to him and pour out our love upon him. This is real and true worship. This is how he is revealed in Revelation chapter one. Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. Do you remember that he's done that for you? He is the Alpha and Omega, who was and is and who is to come, the Almighty God, the first and the last, the living one who was dead. And now look, he is alive forever and ever. And he holds the keys of death and Hades. He's conquered your sin. He's conquered death. He's conquered hell. He's victorious above it all. He is why you worship. He is why you worship. And he is the only one worthy. Will you stand with me? 
Come on, just now in this moment, in this place, from your own song, you're an instrument, from your own voice, from your own heart, begin to lift up a song of praise. Begin to lift up your worship to the Lord. Jesus, we love you. We exalt you in this place, oh God. We love you, Lord. There is no one like you, Jesus. There is no one besides you. Come on, church. Begin to worship him. Begin to love him. If you want to come to the front, you can come to the front. Jesus, we love you, Lord. You are holy. You are worthy. There is no one like you, God. God, we give you all glory, all honor and praise. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive all honor and glory and power and praise. You're all we want, Lord. You're all we desire. You're our delight. You're the King of kings. You're the Lord of lords. Come on, lift up your song. Praise the Lord. Lift up your hands. Worship the King. He's worthy. Express your love to Him. Express your love to Him. Do you love Him? Do you love Him? Do you know what He's done for you? Do you remember how He saved you? Do you see Him for who He is? Do you see Him for who He is? That He's Savior. He's Redeemer. He's Restorer. He's Healing. He's Peace. He's Joy. He's Love. He's Everything. He is Enough. Come on, break past the shell. Break past the religious box. Break past your comfort zone. It ain't about your comfort zone. It ain't about your box. It ain't about your background. It ain't about your personality. It's about Him. He's worthy. He's worthy. Lift up your song. Lift up your worship. Jesus, we worship you, Lord. You're all we desire, Jesus. Come on, church. Lift up that song. You're holy. You're worthy. If you don't know what to say, just say, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I love you. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We're going to go into a time of worship. Church, don't stop. Take it up another level. Go after the Lord with all that you have. He's so good. We need to be in this place of simplicity, this place of purity of worship. It's not about the drums. It's not about anything else. It's about Him. Worship Him. Glorious, matchless in earth.
come on, come on, pour it out.
Come on, just continue to pour out your affection upon him. Begin to give him your love, your adoration, your worship in your own words. Don't sing someone else's words. Just begin to do your own words. where you begin to let it out. This is you begin to worship the Lord with all of your heart, with all of your mind and soul and strength. Come on, church. Let's begin to worship Him with everything we have. Can you, can you lift your hands with me this morning? Can you begin to give Him your affection and your praise? Come on. Don't get shy on us now. Just lift up your voice and sing it again. Come on, that's all we got today. Come on, it's all he's asking for. Will you give him your worship? Will you give him your affection this morning?
Come on, let's sing that again. Hallelujah. Everybody in this room. Just get it in your head. That's all he's after. That's all he's after. That's all that matters. It's just praise and adoration to the king. I've got nothing else fit for a king. Except for a heart singing hallelujah. Come on, sing it. Hallelujah. Come on, everybody. Just keep singing a Hallelujah. Jesus, we honor you, Jesus. Holy, holy are you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I've got to say, I've preached a number of messages on worship. That was probably the best I've ever heard. And I would encourage you to go back and listen to that. I feel bad forever asked to speak those next Sundays on this subject. Oh, wait, that's me. That sucks. <laughs> it's always easier to go first. <laughs> oh. 